We come now to 1 John chapter 2, verses 7 to 14. And here John has been telling us that intimacy with Christ is possible, but there are obstacles to this intimacy. And in the first four verses, John has reminded us that sin is the first of those obstacles. And he tells us that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And that means that we need to address our sin if we're going to experience the fellowship God wants us to enjoy with him. And we must desire fellowship with him more than our sin. We need to address any sin that would grieve the Spirit of God in our lives, no matter how small that is, if we're going to experience the fullness of fellowship with the Lord Jesus. Now, John moves on now to speak about a second barrier to fellowship with God, and that fellowship has to do with broken relationships with between brothers and sisters. Let's read 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 to 14. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Notice how we, as we begin, that John tells his readers that what he was about to tell them was nothing new. In verse 7, we read, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you've heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Now, we find as we continue in this section that this commandment relates to our relationship with our brothers and sisters and God's purpose for that. For the moment, let's just take a moment to consider what God's intention was from the beginning of time for relationships among his people. Well, consider first, in the very beginning, when God created man from the dust, Adam lived in that garden without sin. He had a perfect relationship with God. 
And imagine what it must have been like in those early days, the fellowship that Adam must have had with God, unhindered by sin. That's something that we look forward to in our day, when, when the fellowship that we once knew through Adam was, is going to be restored. And we will be in perfect communion with our Savior, with our Lord. And, and, and that's something that we look forward to so, so very much, that unhindered fellowship and communion with our Creator. But what has always perplexed me in this story is that despite the fact that Adam has this perfect, unhindered communion with God, What's always perplexed me is the words that God speaks in verse, in chapter 2 and verse 18 when he says this, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helpmate for him. What more could Adam have needed than perfect communion with, with God? And yet God tells us that it was not good good for Adam to be alone, that he needed a companion, someone of his own kind. And so God created Adam with the need for a relationship with people of his own kind. And as the creation of God, we're to find harmony and blessing in relationship with each other. So from the very beginning of time, it was the intention of God that his people, his creation, live in harmony with one another. Now move forward in time just a bit to the time when Adam and Eve have children. And we read the story of how one day Cain kills his brother Abel. And as a result of what Cain did to his brother, God curses the ground that he would work. He drove him into exile, and Cain would become a wanderer for the rest of his life. This particular punishment for this act of murder was serious. And, and God treats him this way, and God punishes him this way in order to show how serious this matter of mistreating and disrespecting the life of those he created, of his fellow human being, really was. Those God created in his image were to be respected. And so God drives Cain away from his family, drives him into exile to be a wanderer for the rest of his life, curses the ground so that it does not produce the crops that he needs to survive. Now, by the time we get to Noah, God makes this even more abundantly clear that those who would take the life of another individual would themselves be punished by death, showing us just how serious a matter it was to disrespect the life of another human being. Now, the law of God speaks powerfully about the obligation of God's people to respect one another. Listen to what Leviticus 19, verses 16 to 18 says, You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor 
I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And so God, from the very beginning, in the law of Moses, uh, for, forbids slandering and hatred and grudges. All those things were not to be named among the people of God. Instead, there was to be honesty and respect and love for one another. And as you look through the laws of the Old Testament, we find that God expects a compassion and and a honesty and integrity among his people as they work and live together. Leviticus 25, 42 to 43 tells us that Israel was never to sell a fellow Israelite into slavery. Leviticus 20 and verse 9 proposes death for those who would curse a father or mother. Deuteronomy 25 and verse 15 speaks about the importance of honesty in business dealings with, with one another. Deuteronomy 5 and verse 21 talks about not coveting anything that belonged to a neighbor, but rejoicing with them. Respect for one's property, the neighbor's property. If an ox fell in the road, you were to help that neighbor restore his ox to his, his, his uh, property. John is telling his readers here that this principle of respecting and loving and honoring one another is not a new commandment, but it's a commandment that is as old as creation itself. Now, while this commandment about loving and respecting and honoring one another is as old as creation itself, John tells us that there is something very new in this commandment since the coming of the Lord Jesus, the word of life. Verse 8 says this, At the same time, while this commandment is old as creation itself, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him, that is in Jesus, and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. John tells us, his readers here, that there was something new about this commandment to love one another because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining in your heart. In other words, because they were in fellowship with the Lord Jesus and the darkness of sin was passing away because of that, they were experiencing something new in their relationship with each other. John takes us a step further in verse 9 when he says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Those who abide in the light, according to John, will find it in their heart to love their brother and their sister. This is the fruit of the Spirit of Christ, the fruit of the light of Jesus Christ in our heart. The Spirit of God gives us love for even the unlovely. We find ourselves, because of the light of Christ in us, loving 
whom he loves and willing to turn the other cheek and willing to go the second mile. In fact, John tells his readers that if they hated their brother or sister, they were still in the darkness. And proof of fellowship with God was in their relationship with one another. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit he has given to us. One of the fruits of the Spirit is love. And the fruit of the Spirit are not characteristics that we try with all our human effort to develop in our lives. It's not the fruit of human effort, but it is the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, when the Spirit of God works in us, this is what He produces. The love we experience is not something that is natural to our flesh, but something that the Spirit of God is doing in us. It is evident of our fellowship with God. John reminds us that there will always be darkness when we do not find it in our heart to love one another. In fact, he says in verse 11, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so the Apostle John compares the not loving one another to a person who is blind, not knowing what is ahead of him. You see, if you imagine a blind person in unfamiliar territory, He's in a dangerous situation. He, he trips over obstacles. He can harm himself. He can harm others. And, and John tells us that this is what it's like when we do not love one another. We walk in blindness and, and we do not understand fully what is ahead of us and, and the dangers that are before us. Now, what does John tell us? about these dangers that we're going to trip over if we do not love our brothers and our sisters. Let's consider four things that lie ahead for those who do not love and the dangers that are before those who cannot find love in their heart and forgiveness in their heart for brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, the first danger that lies before those who do not love their brother or sister as they are blind and walking directly towards this danger is found in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23 and 24, which reads as follows. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go first be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Jesus is painting a picture here of a man who who has done something against a brother, a brother has something against him, and he comes to worship without first dealing with this matter between he and his brother. And Jesus tells him that he is to stop 
his worship. He is to go and be reconciled first before he returns to offer his gift. In other words, God will not accept our worship if we are not right with a brother or sister. Our relationship with our brother or sister affects our fellowship and our worship of God. The second danger for those who cannot find it in their heart to forgive and who cannot love a brother or sister is found in Matthew chapter 6. And verse 12 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this in his prayer, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Then he goes on in verse 14 and 15 to say this, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus tells us that if we harbor unforgiveness in our lives towards another person, we cannot expect to be forgiven because we will only be forgiven by him as much as we have forgiven others. And so forgiveness from God may be withheld because of our relationship with a brother or sister. Listen next to what Peter tells us about the relationship of a husband with a wife and vice versa, I'm sure. First Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Paul, or Peter rather, tells husbands clearly that if they do not live with their wives in an understanding way, their prayers may be hindered. And that application goes further, I believe, than just husbands. God will not answer the prayers or our prayers will be hindered if we are not walking in a right relationship with a brother or sister and not treating one another in an understanding way. Prayers will be hindered if we are not right with one another. Finally, notice a passage from Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 13, which says this, Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. If you do not minister to those in need, if you close your heart to the needs of a brother or sister, God may very well do the same for you. You cannot expect to receive what you are not willing to offer to others. Now, God is is a very gracious God, but what expectations should we have from God if we will not minister even to our brother or sister in their need? And so John is very clear about this. Those who 
Do not forgive those who have offended and those who are not living in love for their brother or sister are like those who are blind, heading for these dangers that are before them. And there are many dangers before those who do not love their brothers and sisters. If a brother and sister is something against us uh, or, or we've done something to them, God may not receive our worship. If we refuse to forgive those who have offended us, God will not forgive us our trespasses. If we do not live in an understanding way with our wives and husbands and brothers and sisters, our prayers may very well be hindered. If we neglect the needs of those in our midst, we have no right to expect that God will hear us when we cry out to Him. If we want to have fellowship with God, we must address any barrier between a brother or a sister or a husband or a wife. We cannot expect to be right with God if we are not right with one another. Now, John concludes this section by expressing his confidence that those who, who read his epistle are in fellowship with the Lord and in fellowship with one another. And so he says, my children, he says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name. Your trespasses against one another, your sins have been forgiven. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. You are in a relationship with him. I am writing to you, men, because you have overcome the evil one and the, the, the temptations of the evil one in relationships and with one another. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil evil one. Do you know the forgiveness of sin today? Do you know him who is from the beginning? Do you know, are you overcoming the evil one? Do you, do you know the Father? Does the word of God abide in you? Then if so, you are walking in the light and have fellowship with your brothers and sisters and with the Lord and with, his, and with the Father. To be forgiven, you must forgive to be heard of God, you, you need to hear the cries of your brother and sister. To have your prayers unhindered, you need to live in an understanding way with those around you. To know the support of God in your time of need, you need to be willing to offer your support. And so Paul John challenges his readers to learn to love and to respect, to honor and to live in an understanding way with one another so that their prayers their, are not hindered, their sins are forgiven, and they have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. In order to know true fellowship with God, we must also experience that fellowship with one another.